Welcome to another episode of Tales from the Tables with your host, Rob Bradley. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Tales from the Tables, episode eight. In fact, I'm your host, Rob Bradley, and I'm joined today with James, my JC, uh, and James, <laughs> James, my JC. <laughs> J- oh, <laughs> James, my JC. <laughs> James, uh, my co host, and also JC, my other co host. And hello. we also have a special guest, Harry Jeppard, one of the Rodok GMs. Hey, Harry, how you doing? Hey, thanks very much for having me. Yeah, good to have you, man. Good to have you. So um, we've managed to pull ourselves away from playing Baldur's Gate to record this podcast today. Well, um, I think... Uh, you have. You've managed to do this. Now let's yeah, see how long it takes to edit it. That's an important <laughs> yeah, Exactly. Yeah, exactly. But no, welcome, welcome to the podcast, Harry. Great to have you on, man. Yeah, it's great. I was just thinking this is like you guys are the ones who uh, decided whether or not I, the three of you, Decided whether or not I joined Roldark way in the beginning. That's actually true, isn't it? We we interviewed, we played a good uh, scenario that you. We played half a game that I never finished because (laughs) I was a mess that night. (laughs) Oh yeah, we'll get more. If that was you being a mess, then I am very impressed. Yeah, you were awesome. Fabulous. We we can get into in a bit uh, why I thought it was a massive mess and go through that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) How how long ago was that? That was about two years ago, wasn't it? That was very beginning of 2021. Or I think we did it wow. December 2020 is when I had the like the, the interview. Right. Guys. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, a while ago now. Oh fun. Ooh. Okay. Bloody yeah. hell. Yeah. I know. It feels like it was yesterday. Where have the yeah, last two no. years gone? <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite a harrowing experience. Like a couple of years, isn't it? When you think about it, the mm. pandemic and stuff. But, yeah. um hopefully all behind us now which is nice yeah now we yeah. just stay in and watch netflix anyway and play computer games yeah so nothing's changed, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> nothing's changed. <laughs> exactly exactly yeah so funny I, I used to wear shirts to work now i just wear like t-shirts and hoodies <laughs> and like i wear trainers and jeans and i used to wear like shat trousers and shirts and stuff and be like really smart and now i'm just like nah what's the point yeah what's the, what's point? the point yeah what's the yeah point? Uh, yeah You'd be surprised by the lack of pants that I have. No, I'm kidding. I'm recording in pants. Don't worry. I do that, though. I do that. I wear, like, well, I don't not wear anything like Okay, thank you. Whenever I'm I'm playing a game. But I will wear, like, tracksuit bottoms, and then then I'll put on a shirt just to look nice for the players. Yeah. Someone someone pointed it out to me yesterday. You can always tell when you're watching, like you're walking down the street and you see someone picking up their food order for lunch or something like that coming to the front door um, to pick up their, their takeaway. And you see them in like a nice, you know, uh, starched shirt with good collar, maybe even a tie and a, and a jacket. And then beneath that, they're just in like gym shorts. Or yeah. just 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 boxers or trainers, <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, ah, they're they're a Zoom person. I see, I see. Yeah. Oh dear, dear, dear. So how's how's Edinburgh, JC? You still there? Oh my God, beautiful. Yes, yeah. As a matter of fact, I have a bit of an update on that. Um, I have been asked to stay for the whole month, so I oh. am not flying back to New York for a few weeks. I'm still in the field, as it were. When um, when are you flying back? back? 
Uh, the tw- <laughs> I know what you're asking. Um, <laughs> the tw- I think it's the 28th. Um, 28th. Yeah. Something, something like the 28th or 29th of August. Right? Yeah. Oh, great. Okay. But yeah, we're uh, we're doing, I mean, again, if you, if you, if you guys find yourselves coming up to uh, Edinburgh, please stop by uh, Underbelly Cowgate and watch Batsu at 10.45 p.m. <laughs> oh, you're at Cowgate. It's such a great city. Yeah. Have, you, have you had a chance to do one of the walking tours yet? One of the uh, yeah, no, yeah, but that's definitely on our list. We have a couple of friends coming in a little bit later in the month and we're reserving most of our sort of touristy bits for them. But for now, we're seeing a lot of other shows and supporting right. our friends and other things and uh, uh, getting drunk. I mean, no, I'm, I'm, we're drinking responsibly. <clears throat> okay, <laughs> I have a, I have I have quite a funny story about Edinburgh actually because um, the last time I was there when we went on for holiday, um, we went on a ghost tour, and this guy called Joe oh, nice. was the was the guy who gave us the tour, and he was really really good, really good, and he kept looking at me and he kept like going like like sort of like trying to chat to me, and I was and, and I was like oh hi, and he was like so what do you do for a living? And I said oh well, I I run a a game a, sort of a uh, an agency for game masters playing Dungeons and Dragons. Another mm. role-playing games, and he was like, "It's not Roadwork, is it?" And I was Whoa. like, "Yes, it is." And he was like, "He's like, ah, like, oh. like, oh. like, I've been wanting to apply." And I was like, "Well, you should. You're very good." And uh, <laughs> in that, yeah, now he's on our books. So yeah, so no, now he's wait. like, yeah. "Yeah, who is it? Who is that? Who is he's only he's only just joined. He's only just joined. He's had, he's had a right. few he's had a few problems going on in his personal life, so he's not been able to like get like fully commit just yet. But he's but we're just sort of going through the onboarding process at the moment." But yeah, right yeah. On. is he here? Is he is he in Edinburgh? Is he, he's in Edinburgh. Yeah, yeah. yeah. He's <gasps> one of he's one of the, one of the ghost tour guides. He's got long so... blonde, he's got long blonde hair, and he has and he puts on like a raspy voice, and he plays like one of the doctors who used to steal bodies from the. Um, he's basically steal this, this doctor in the olden days used to steal bodies from Edinburgh and, and take them into like his hospital to do like experiments on them and stuff. How cool really, is that? Really cool. it, really that's really cool. so cool. Is it the one that's got the the incredible name Ghost Bus Tours? Yeah, yeah. I saw those. We keep seeing those drive by. And we're like, we have to do that just for the name alone and for the fact that I have a black curtain. We have to do those. Yeah. Um, no, that's awesome. Thanks. Let, let's connect after the call. I, I totally want to look him up. Yeah, yeah, we definitely should. Yeah, yeah, yeah vet him. Yeah. <laughs> so, as your show, JC, your show's been. Who's asked you to extend it? Oh, uh, basically the not 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 uh, our show was booked for the whole month, but I was originally only going to be kind of like a guest performer, um, in for a few days. So now they've my basically the improv company Face Off Unlimited has asked me to stay the whole duration. So I'm here As for the month. Peter Keen, cheers. Yeah. <laughs> Appreciate it. What's the yeah, company it's been called? A blast. Face, face Off. Unlimited. Face Off Unlimited. Yeah. Face yeah. Off. Face Off. Right. Like the cool. John Travolta. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cage. <laughs> yeah. Brilliant. The classic. Yeah. Um, John Woo, isn't it? John Woo? I think so, actually. Yeah, yeah. I think it's John Woo. That's yeah. Crazy. Nice. Yeah, it's so cool. It's been yeah, a long time cool. since I've been in Edinburgh. I did, I did a show as well um, uh, in like 2016, I think. Nice. When I took okay. a, it, it wasn't nice. It was oh. like oh, no. the show that I did. But the experience of going up to Edinburgh was fantastic because yeah. my university did this really cool thing where if you pitched a show every year like people would pitch shows and then mm-hmm. the drama society would give them a thousand pounds to put towards oh, a budget great. to take up a show and okay cool like Impressive. a bunch of other societies yeah. did it so 
loads of people from my university would go up and the comedy society would put one up there, like Shakespeare Society, Classic Society, and then the drama. And I was part of a team to take one up. And I just wanted to take anything up because you can put anything up on the Edinburgh Fringe show. Mm. Um, But the show we ended up taking was really, really awful. And I just was like, (laughs) like after the the first performance, I was just, I I just hated everything about the whole show. We went up, when we went up there, when we went up there, we, our show wasn't ready by the time we went up there. We had like, um, we had four days. We went up there for 10 days. We had six days of performing. And then we had four days before that where we still Mm. had like the hotel booked and everything, but the show wasn't ready. So we were rehearsing it out in the car park of the hotel that we were staying at. And we were all just like, this is going to be bad. And then we did nothing in our tech rehearsal, but argue. Everyone was arguing and you get like an hour for tech rehearsal because everyone's got to have their fair share. And I just, in the end, I just went, this is an hour out of my day from like four till five the whole rest of the day is just mine i'm just gonna go see as many shows because i don't know if they still do it jc but if you're part of like you were part of underbelly i can't remember what mine was um it was like yeah you get basically like a pass to go see other shows yeah so you can see other shows for free yeah yeah yeah, with like all that those companies yeah Yeah. that's all i that's all i did and you and watch free fringe as well which is arguably better than any show you pay for Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's there's a, yeah. a myriad of stuff. I think there's something like over three thousand shows going on. There's a lot simultaneously. Wow, it's insane. Bloody yeah. hell! Yeah, it's yeah. insane. And there's some Free- really like yeah. big names here. We we saw oh, yeah. Money Exchange do a performance. Um, there's some obviously lots and lots of unheard, but um, yeah, it's, it's a blast. Come, do come they still city. do? Yeah, it's fantastic. Do they still do Shitface Showtime? And Shitface. I've not seen ads for that, but I'm gonna look that up because that sounds if- amazing. If they if there is one, they're like a huge company that always sold out. They're like mm. one of the big ones. They get the big venues. And Shitface Shakespeare, it's called. Shitface Shakespeare, and there's also Shitface Showtime, yeah. where they do gotcha. any show. Like for example, I went and watched it. It was one of the best ones I've watched. It's like proper production and everything. But they did the Wizard of Oz, and every night a different cast member they get super drunk like before the mm-hmm. show starts. Mm-hmm. And I went yeah. on the night where they had Dorothy as like the drunk one. Um, oh, I don't. I don't think. I don't think they tell you. I don't think they tell you who the cast, which cast Who's member is be. drunk. Um, and then they've got like a master of ceremonies who honks a horn if things get like out of line. Because we had a moment in the show where Dorothy was like off her nut, and she was just going all this and that. And then she put yeah. a broom on the ground. She like threw a broom on the ground, kicked it, and it smacked someone in the front row like and then this huge like honking sound goes up and we had to like stop the show and and be like are you okay are you all right and then there's also they give a person in the audience a sick bucket and they go and they Mm. do like a little dry run they go like we've got to pretend that they're about to be sick how quick can you get on stage and like give the bucket over it's really really fun i definitely (laughs) that's a great idea for a show it's a great idea right it's so simple and yeah they do it with shakespeare shows as well and we we have something similar in new york called drunk shakespeare Uh, it's a little bit more of an intimate setting but they do basically like a uh, slightly revised version of any sort of shakespeare work and yeah there's one audience member same concept they get trashed and they they have to perform and there's it's, it's always random and changes every night. It's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Are there any D and D shows up there? 
I, you know what? There is something that I, I wanted to see. I think it's, um, I forget the name of it right now, but the poster has this really epic bearded dude on it. And already I'm hooked. You know how it is with me. <laughs> so um, I forget what it's called. It's, it's, it's it Dungeons and Something. Oh. No, 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 no. It's, it's Dungeons and Something. And it's only playing a little bit later in the month. So I haven't had a chance to see it yet. But um, right. there, I feel like there's there's room for more, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I mean, granted, I also haven't seen all three thousand advertisements that I'm sure are everywhere in the city, so you know, mm. I'm making my way through them. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, because because yeah. we are still, I think, the UK still doesn't have a critical role equivalent. Mm. Mm. You know. Yeah, a lot of critters in the UK, and just not oh, abs- its own. Yeah. Yeah. And people have tried. People have tried to emulate it, but they they just don't quite get it right because right, right. it's it's just it's like it's you know because I think geeks don't like to watch other geeks play D and D. I think they want to mm. watch they want to watch like cool people play D and D. And when you look at Critical Role, they're all they're all pretty cool, aren't they? They're I think cool. I think that's a thing, right? Like a lot yeah. of the voice acting work and animation is based in L.A. and thus yeah, sure. that's why you know they have that pool of talent to pull from. Sure, of course, it's sort of a group of friends and et cetera. But um, I think if someone's trying to do the same thing here in the UK, it would have to be like whatever you know, whatever the equivalent is here. Yeah, where the, the hot animation industry is so either london pinewood studios whatever i'd like to see i'd like to see like you know how you have like panel shows like eight out of ten cats and that kind of thing it'd be good if they had mm, yeah. a lot of those comedians playing D D. that'd be quite cool. mm. kind of like what I, with them like the Red Nose Day sort of did they do it did they? thing well they did that i think yeah i oh, remember wow. sue i'm sure sue perkins was one of the one of the comedians that that did it i can't remember who the other cast was but they were all like relatively like big like big comedians that sort of level um, or playing hmm. D&D. I think there might have been like a Josh Whittacombe, Nish Kumar, one of those sort of like mm, age, right. like era comedians in there as well. Um, I didn't get to see it, but yeah, I know they were, I saw advertisements uh, for them, yeah. seeing them, seeing them play it. Yeah, it'd be cool, so, wouldn't it? Yeah. Maybe I should contact ITV. Because that's the thing. Weird <laughs> treatment ideas. With, with big names like that, there's no way you can get them for like every week and convince them like this could be a career, like this could be because with Critical Role, it's become like they all they made it into a company and now they all play roles in that company. So mm-hmm. it's a steady stream of income for all of them as as workers. It's the ideal scenario, right? That's like yeah. kind of oh, the yeah. dream achievement, right? Start as a group of, of friends playing D anD D, make a company out of it. Everybody gets a role in that company. It's perfect. Yeah. It's like the trifecta. So much, and yeah, yeah, yeah. It's incredible what they've done, definitely. So, yeah. um, so James, what uh, what news have we got this week? Well, some big and exciting news um, from Gen Con is that um, there was a a heist before it even started where quite a lot of stuff's been nicked. In fact, $300,000 worth of trading cards have been <laughs> stolen off, you are off, the, off the trading floor before Gen Con started. Great. Oh. <laughs> what? So, That's horrific. Any, any, yeah. like, what was it? What was the trading card game? Was it magic? Uh, or, you know? No, what they've not announced, like, what it was. The only thing we know is it's not. So, there's a another bit of news I have is there is a new Disney trading card game called Lorcana that is that is coming out. In, I've in, heard they, about they, this. I, I remember this this announcement from years ago. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's releasing in September, but they're doing cool. they're they're selling or giving out cards at Gen Con because of course they are. Right. Um, uh, so they've come out to say it's not us. <laughs> Don't worry if you're <laughs> if you've queued. <laughs> 16 hours to line up for these cards we still have those you don't need to panic um mm-hmm. so yeah it, it could be magic it, oh, it could be pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh, any of like the, oh, the big ones but 300k's mm. worth like an entire wow. palette of cards Holy shit. Uh, shit. so yeah wonder how August. many rares and mystic cards they got in there probably worth more than three hundred thousand. how do we know it was nicked and not just like the like dhl screwing up or something like that right um okay so um, <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a weird one but they the they have confirmed that it was stolen stolen um uh, and uh, the indiana police are calling on public for help in finding the thieves because they have very little to go on despite the fact that they have used they think a forklift truck to remove a pallet. <laughs> See, now that's that's absolutely genius because they're literally hiding in plain sight. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yeah, no yeah. one will question a forklift truck. They'll be like, oh, it's a forklift truck. Just going yeah. about doing yep. forklift truck business. Just, you know? just I'm moving stuff about, yeah. yeah. It's like those hat, yep. those hat and garden guys who stole all those diamonds that time. Mm. They just look like workmen. Yeah. I also love that the Indiana State Police are asking for help. Well, clearly they're not nerdy enough to know enough about the card game to track it down themselves. So they're like, nerds <laughs> of Indiana, please assist us. <laughs> <and guess." laughs> they're like, no, <laughs> we might get cheap cards if we buy direct from the thieves. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Uh, you see, that, you see that, yeah, uh, I don't know if you guys have, have been following much of the Magic the Gathering stuff, but there's, uh, there's a guy... Um, so at the moment, the, the most, the latest deck that's come out is based on Middle Earth and mm-hmm. uh, Lord, Lord of the Rings. Rings. Yeah. And there's what there was one it's ring fun. within the decks. Like what the one ring was actually a card that you could get, and there was only one of them. And this guy mm-hmm. found it, and it's worth like 1.5 million or something ridiculous. Didn't didn't <laughs> someone buy it? Wasn't it Post Malone who that's bought right. it for right. two million or something oh, like that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. yeah. Yeah. yeah, that was my exact reaction, Harry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The one ring card. Yeah, right. So awesome. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I was explaining to my I explained to my fiance Charlotte about it and I was saying like I was like, Yeah, yeah, imagine the Gavin cards. You know, I I bought a deck for I bought like a booster pack for three pounds fifty once and got a card in there worth fifty quid. <laughs> wow. She was like she was like, Really? Nice. I was like, Yeah, I was like, Yeah. And she was like, yeah. Well, why aren't you buying more of them? And I was like I was like <laughs> I was like <laughs> Who sent you? <laughs> say that, Who are say you and what have you done with that? Say that again. Do <laughs> 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 you want me to buy Magic the Gathering cards? Winnie Nini. And I hope I get like a really good one. Okay, sweet. And that's how they get you. That's how you <laughs> yeah, drop exactly. 500 pounds looking for a 50 pound card. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, right. I imagine it's going to be a little bit like with the stolen cards, like that kid, because it happened in my primary school where a kid stole people's cards and then all of a sudden they start coming into school the next week with like guys you never guess what card like i found in in a pack that i unraveled like we were huge in on Yu-Gi-Oh, so it was like sorcerer mm, of darkness yeah, me like, too. yeah getting all and then everyone starts to get a little bit sus that you know someone's got all these like great cards um so all of a sudden people are going to be oh like i bought these packs for it was super cheap i wonder where they're getting them from Mm. Yeah. Mm. Nice. Interesting. Yeah. I was super into Yu-Gi-Oh, but I've I've talked about that before on the podcast. I'm like, nope, I'm not gonna do magic. <laughs> I've already gotten burnt twice. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, really? Burnt twice by what? 
Well, by the fact that like those kind of fell out of popularity in my in my friends group slash community. First, it was Pokemon that kind of fell out, and then Yu Gi Oh, and that kind of fell out, and everybody was making the switch to Magic, and I was like, I've already spent too much money on all these cards. Yeah. I can't afford a third hobby. Not not gonna make a fool out of me three times. And then now I feel like the idiot because Magic is the one that sort of had the longest long like life and the greatest mm. longevity. So. It is great. <laughs> Your bank account will be thanking you that you never did get. Exactly. Into it exactly. There, there is some grace you to can, that. that. You means. can, you can do it without going crazy, though. You can definitely, like, like I've, I've like built decks where I've just bought individual cards for like, for like a pound or something like that, and then built it that way. You Don't can. Tell me you just have to have. Just have to be. You just have <laughs> no. to be like not. I, I, but I have also bought like you know a great big set for like thirty quid, and it's had like right. 15, 15 booster packs. Opened them all up, and there's like maybe like one card in there that I wanted. Right, right. That's the And I have, I have the worst luck. So don't, don't tempt me, Frodo. Like, <laughs> yeah. don't bring me down that path. I want to, <laughs> but yeah. Um, yeah. It's the same problem I have with the D and D minis that come in the the random boxes where you just like they're based on a, oh, on a book yeah. or whatever, but yeah. you don't know exactly what minis you're getting. Uh, I find that very frustrating because those I'm, those are addicting we were oh my god so so um a friend of mine and i uh we were trying to get a flail snail miniature and we knew that it was in one of those booster packs and i think we bought like we each bought each other one of those boxes a week for like four months it was ridiculous we spent way too much and then we ended up getting it for christmas which was amazing um but it was (laughs) that's how you that's how you also lose a lot of money very fast yeah right Um, I Sorry, James, you completely went off on a tangent there, didn't we? No, that's <laughs> fine. Yeah, well, that's that's unfortunately all the all the heist news. There's no no one's been yeah. found yet. So hopefully, as the weeks go on, I'll be able to update you on the state of them. But they know it's two people, um, so <laughs> they're looking for looking for two individuals who've got a pallet load of uh, trading cards. To, <laughs> trading cards. To, to all of a sudden, it's gonna be hard a lot to of shift. games. Yeah, <laughs> someone turning up to their local local game shop and being like, oh, "I've actually built ten new decks this weekend." <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are these cards? They're not officially listed yet. Oh well, I don't know how I got them. <laughs> Just lucky, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I did want to talk a little about uh, the Disney Lorcana stuff. So it uh, seems like an interesting uh, card game where the they they have uh, announced they have released a rules video for it. Um, it seems seems pretty straightforward. Yeah, it's one of it's a it's a trading card game, so it'll take you a couple of couple of goes to to get the rules down. Um, but it seems to be based around um, the idea that you are transported to this um, like fictional um, magical realm called Lorcana, um, mm-hmm. and you have the ability with magical ink to draw disney characters and bring them to life and so you get variants of different disney characters so the ones they've shown so far there was like some evil wizard mickey and um i think rockstar stitch um and the artwork all looks very lovely for it um mm. ones they, it sounds very um, so far. that sounds very okami to me do you guys remember that uh japanese game you were basically playing like a wolf spirit and you had a paintbrush in your teeth and you could draw things in the environment and they would create new objects or open doors or you can defeat enemies by doing these brush strokes. It was a beautiful game. Okami. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was ages ago. I think it was like 2006, 2007 maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, kind of 
So apparently in the game you're working to collect lore um, about this new world that you're creating, and that's how sort of there's a point system where you're trying to create lore um, rather than you know hit points, etc. Um, right. Oh, wow, okay. That's oh, actually kind of cool. Yeah, Lorcana. Mm. It's a great name. Yeah. So there's yeah, it seems like each card's got like a fragment of Disney stories and stuff, and yeah, it it seems um, seems interesting, and. I haven't got into any trading card game probably since I was I was quite young. So if I was going to jump into one. Um, I would probably go in on this for now. Uh, I really like Disney stuff, and the person who I'd play it most with would probably end up being Jade, and she's a huge Disney fan. So mm. um, I, I could probably nice. get <laughs> probably get some games in at least. <laughs> Uh, you've uh, you've accepted Disney as your corporate overlords. I, I have. Oh. I mean, it's been a while since what since <clears throat> they took over Marvel. Really, I just yeah. accepted that. I was going to say this sounds like a lot of promo. It's like if I don't play games, are you being? Anymore, but if I was <laughs> to play a game, it would be this one. Is James secretly a mole for Disney? Did yeah. we not know this? They're trying to grab her old arc up. <laughs> Look, if Magic the Gathering wants to I send mean... me a, a, a ton of cards, to <laughs> I'll talk about them a lot more. <laughs> switch over to the other side. I can hear Mickey in his office laughing now. We got James. <laughs> World Park will send me hours. Have <laughs> <laughs> you guys ever seen that South Park episode where um, Mickey Ooh, beats, the yeah. crap, beats, beats the crap out of <laughs> yes. Jonas Brothers? Oh, shit. It's so funny. <laughs> so funny. Oh, God. Oh, God. Brilliant. Brilliant. Anyone uh, else, James? Uh, so I did have um, one one thing that's not necessarily news, uh, and it is, it is, but it is Baldur's Gate related. Um, so um, a lot of people who haven't played um, Larian games before uh, get into a bit of trouble with the new Baldur's Gate. So I wanted to do like a quick announcement almost so people who haven't started playing it yet, which they had 700,000, sorry, 800 plus thousand people playing over the weekend. So there's not many yeah, people that great. are going to be playing it that haven't already started it. Um, <laughs> which is rec- like an insane number of people. They thought there would be 100,000 tops, maybe, Larry. Yeah. Well, wow. they, they set their servers up for that. <laughs> and then 800,000 people rocked up. Um, but when you are jumping into co-op, and I know a lot of a lot of RDMs are, are doing co-op games and friends and stuff, are pe- are people are playing with friends uh, as a first time going into the game. Just so you know, um, if you start a game and have a friend jump in, you cannot then remove them from your party. You will have to play the rest of the game either with an empty slot where that character once was, or, um, or you'll have to wait for your friend to jump in to get the dialogue and stuff and the story from that character. Right. Um, Weird. Okay. So, so if you have four, four people jump into a game and it was your a game that you were going to solo in, you can't just drop in and out and do everything normally. So... Do a right. solo game and keep it solo if you're going to do a solo game, and then have one where maybe you're joining and out with your friends. Out. Yeah, because otherwise wow. that's nice. um, that's like real life, huh? Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> it's like it's really like digitally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, it's good to know. To know, it's it's broken all kinds of records, right? Isn't it like right now one of the the hottest selling games on Steam ever? Uh-huh. 
is yeah. what I've been reading and stuff like yeah. that. Apparently, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It is very good. I have enjoyed. I'm enjoying it so far. The only I've got a couple of grumbles. One in particular, I won't mention on the podcast. But the, <laughs> I was. I wonder I was what playing, that's about. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, was, I was playing the. Uh, I was playing the um, the other day, and I was doing some trading with like a trader in the game, and I could hear the NPCs behind me, just on a loop. Just oh. constantly repeating themselves mm. in the in like obviously what they wanted wanted to talk to you about, but it was so but it was literally like the loop was like every five seconds they mm. would say the same thing <laughs> oh, to weird. each other, and it was like I was like really it really irritated me, and it didn't just irritate me it irritated Charlotte my partner who was doing the ironing while I was sat there playing on my Steam Deck she was like she was like she's like why why do they keep saying that why don't you just go and talk to them I was like I can't I'm trying to do this trade. <laughs> like trying to figure Sorry, out what Charlotte. I'm doing in this. Yeah, right. So that was really that was really irritating. But, that's really but, funny. But, but the game is the game is very good, and it also well, works great on the Steam Deck as well. Nice. That, that's the kind of thing I was going to say. It's, it's, With a game of such high quality, small flaws stand out all the more, right? Because of everything else being so immersive and, and perfect, really yeah. perfect. Exactly. Yeah, it is. So it is very like really good. Dialogue where you hear the same line every couple of minutes is just the worst. <laughs> it just it just brings you out of it straight yeah. away. Yeah, 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 it's like you're you're in the game and then suddenly you just have that and you're like, oh yeah, I'm playing a video game. See, oh, but yeah. now this this is a gold mine. Now I'm going to do the same thing in my games. I'm going to have NPCs that just repeat lines over and over. It seems like an easy cop out and a cheap way to keep things moving. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and to really annoy your players. Why not? Stop! You violated the law. Stop! You violated the law. Just over and over again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I wish I remembered the soundbite of what they were saying. That would have been quite funny. I had to follow it up. Mm. It's a shame. Insert yeah. it here. We'll leave a space. Yeah. <laughs> I don't, I, in fact, actually, I can't because it's because it's gonna be it's gonna be too many spoilers. I think for yeah. people who haven't played it yet. <clears throat> yeah, probably true. Also, also Larian will yeah. Larian will come hunting you down. They'll knock on your door yeah, with the Pinkertons, exactly. right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, anything else, James? Uh, no, no, I haven't. So, I think next week there'll be all the Gen Con news. So that'll be probably quite news heavy, and uh, maybe okay. we'll find out who stole all these cards oh, <laughs> have an update for you uh, next week or yes. we won't <laughs> fantastic but then episode of crime stoppers um mm. yeah so jc oh. tales from the tables oh yeah we do have a couple this week um one from alex mod um dm extraordinaire of ravnica and uh in his own words <clears throat> so in my Ravnica game, the cleric with the absurd perception skill (parentheses) she's level five and can currently max out at like thirty or thirty-one perception, and loves to scout with her inherent dampier spider climb. She's just ended the session with an absurdly good perception check, followed by a natural one on her stealth check, thus attracting nearby enemies for the third session in a row. Jesus. <laughs> oh, that is unfortunate. Um, to to tack to tack onto that, I've had a game where uh, just this past week, um, I think our player rolled one player out of two players rolled nothing above a ten for the entirety of the session, and it was just a bunch of combat and skill checks all session rather than RP this this week, and I, you wouldn't believe how how many nat ones were snuck in there 
we felt so bad. I think it was something like five in a row by the time we ended up counting. It was just the worst luck. The worst luck. So it happens. It happens. And sometimes, you know, you crit eight times in a row. So anyway. Yeah. And then we have another story from a table. But this one is coming from our Discord community, a member called Hoodie. In his own words, there was a great moment where the group was debating whether the tabaxi bard was going to die trying to talk down a gang of devils and undead with a necromantic warlord above war aboard a war machine in the Descent into Avernus game. This discussion took place in the chat window of Roll20, and it really gave a great sense of flavor as the conversation started to go downhill. Particularly, their favorite comment was of the party calling dibs on the bard's loot. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, thanks for the submission, Hoodie. That sounds awesome. Um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of games tend to do that. I think they have side discussions going on. Perfect segue into a couple of submissions from our Wayfinders game, which is the game I uh, DM for on Saturdays for our team players. Um, so a couple of submissions from my players that took me by surprise when I saw this this morning um, from our player Bailey. JC can't say anything about not harming children. In our teen Wayfinder game, we have two children characters in our party, and JC targets them, all in caps. Child in the room looks like they're getting munched today. Um, and then Oak, another player in the same game, says, I can confirm, we literally have a slogan, when in doubt, select a child. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so... So there is context for this. I promise I'm not just some person that constantly targets children, despite what the Wayfinders might think. The context is, of course, you're in, in, you, if you introduce a heroic adventuring party to high-stakes scenarios, especially with naturally evil-aligned or evil-inclined creatures, such as mind flayers, demons and devils and undead and things like that, um, yeah, they're going to go for the targets that look the easiest to... to defeat first of course um and often even with more intelligent sort of enemies they're trying to manipulate the party in certain ways so they're like aha let's go for the young one or for the least defensible one but that's only half the story the other half of the story is that those two um players that play children characters in a way play both very very sillily but also very intelligently at the same time, or, or very in character, um, they basically just run forward, right? Like kids are wont to do, like a six-year-old is wont to do. They want to go exploring. They wander into a new area, and they're the first ones to trigger traps, to run into enemies, et cetera, et cetera. So there is a precedent for them getting hit first because they're always in the front lines because they're always running ahead of the rest of the party. Whereas everybody else is taking time asking me questions like, okay, what do we see? What's on the right side of this hallway? Um, what about this area of town? What are we doing? In the meantime, I just see the tokens of the two, you know, kid characters just whoop, 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 going all over the map. And I'm like, oh, well, now you saw the devil in the room and he saw you. So roll initiative <laughs> while the rest of the party is mm, three turns away from reaching you. Sorry. Not sorry. Uh, yeah. Thanks. Cool. Thanks, Wayfinders. Thanks for calling me out like that. Done me dirty. <laughs> it's interesting because harry actually run you run a teen game on friday nights don't you is that right i was gonna say yeah i've been running the teen game although that that group i suppose for since i started roll dark and then the 
campaign, How the Gods Play Chess, we started last year. So uh, nearly two years, but we're coming up to the finale. We're coming up to the final arc of that because they they now know why it, the campaign is called that. <laughs> oh, cool. fantastic. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah well, I mean, if it's not spoilers for them, why is it called that? Um, it won't be spoilers now because literally in the last session, last Friday, um, they discovered, they've basically gone into the, the realm of the gods, um, which is split up into, the way I run gods is I, I have based them off of the alignments. So rather than mm. there being a god of nature, a god of war, there there are the gods of, or there is the god of lawful good. There is the god of neutral good. There is the god of chaotic well, evil. So idea. everything that filters under what is chaotic evil and everything that filters under neutral and things like that. So that then is the responsibility of that god, be it creatures or people or nature. Um, so just a quick question: Is your, is yeah, your neutral yeah. god just, is your neutral god just like sat on a fence? Just like <laughs> that would be great imagery. That be ah, I should have used that. Missed opportunities. <laughs> Yoink! Stealing that um, trademark. No, but the the neutral god is kind of the mother figure of the gods. Um, okay, she kind of cool. doesn't. Yeah, she's kind of the. Um, yeah. Uh, the now, now between. you you lot. This is like yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they've just gotten literally into their realm, which, as far as I'm aware and that I remember, they didn't realize that it was that realm. Um, but then they got into this house. It wasn't like a huge castle or anything. It's just literally where they all live. Um, they live almost like flatmates. And mm. they got into this large room with just a round table that detailed the entire material plane. Um, because in my world, in my homebrew world, the earth is flat. It is not a globe um, or like a planet. Because when the gods designed it, they designed it like on a table. So On a table. It's very yeah. meta. Like they were playing a tabletop game. And, yeah, yeah. So yeah, they've now seen like all of these little tokens and all of these like chess pieces, essentially. It is more like, and one of them pointed out, it is more like a game of risk rather than a game of chess because there's like nine mm. of them. Yeah. And they but do. But how the gods play around. a risk doesn't have the same sort of. Yeah, it doesn't. To you know, it. Yeah, I, had right. to, I had to lure them in, you know, and I had to lure yeah, in new right. players. <laughs> People know chess, kids know chess more than they know uh, risk. But um, so yeah, they've literally just discovered that round table and they've like been talking to some of the gods and they've kind of unraveled for themselves like why all the turmoil on the material plane is uh, happening. Great. And what's the age group of your players? So I think because obviously we've we started a couple of years ago, so they've yeah. obviously. I want to say the youngest is. 12 and right. the oldest i think is 16 now okay great. um and we've had we started with three players who were all from mm. the previous campaign that i did before that behold a high and then we had four players then five then six and we recently had um one leave who was at um he was one of my players at roll dark fest and he oh, nice. used he, he used that as like a final goodbye before he had to go and I think he was going Aww. from primary to secondary school or he was taking on some other things so he used that as mm. like a final goodbye which was really really sweet and I really appreciate it yeah. as well nice that's, that's nice. very cool yeah. actually there was yeah, um, 
I remember uh, Roldock vs. Harry, there was one of your players who fully committed to the bit as uh, Cabers dressed as an Arakokra in like a full chicken costume. And it yeah. was my favourite uh, favorite yeah. costume of the night. She's, <laughs> yeah, she's, uh, she's one of my players from my team game. She's not the one who left. Yeah. Um, yeah. She's she's oh, still going, going strong and everything. Um, she actually, it was really, really sweet. Um, and if, Elizabeth, you're listening, it was very, very sweet. She is currently doing her Duke of Edinburgh award. And oh, cool. She asked me to be nice. one of her, um, I don't know what they're called, uh, but reference? she asked me, yeah, she asked me to be one of her references because one of the oh. skills that you can put is like improvising and role play and, and stuff like that. So she oh, was like, great. would you, uh, yeah, would you, would you like explain how I've progressed over the past like six months and how, like how you see me as a leader and also an individual, like things like that. It was really, really cool. That's oh, wonderful. Great. I just got an email from one of my team players yesterday. Um, see, proof that I do read your emails, guys. Um, <laughs> but it said, um, P.S., um, because I had done something for them a couple of months ago where I also helped them write a recommendation, or I, I wrote a recommendation letter for their university because they're um, taught at home, so they don't have professors um, to recommend them. And uh, they got in. They got into the school of their choice, I think. And they were like, your your letter was really instrumental in me getting in. So thank you so much for that. And I was like, oh, God, that's the best thing I've read. Oh, all that's pretty. Yeah, that's that's awesome. wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, I was really happy. So congratulations if you're listening. And also, Harry, you've got another game as well, haven't you, that you run in the week? City Pulse. Is that right? Yeah, City Pulse, um, mm. which occurs on a Wednesday. And that group, that's, I've had that group since, again, last year. Um, mm. And it's always been a group of eight, like the same same players. They're all super, super um, committed to it and very, right. very... Like, I think some of them know each other outside of D&D as well. And we've met up in person a couple of times as well, which is really cool. Um, but I started City Pulse. Yeah, that's that campaign began. Uh, we did a session zero at the end of last year and then officially begun it uh, this year. And that has, like turned into such an amazing game because it that's a really open world game um oh cool set in a city which are like they've helped me expand because it's a homebrew thing and like i've gone into so much detail about it um which yeah Great. really really enjoying that one Oh, I, I can't i can't go that? into i was yeah. gonna say i can't actually go into a lot of details as to what that one's about because i'm playing it and i told my players this very like cloak and dagger it's a lot of like there's no huge crescendo at the moment as to mm. like you've got to get from one thing to another to another they're literally like exploring things taking down at this point they're taking down or they're looking to take down the the government or at least like get in there somehow and they're okay, unveiling corruption and stuff like that and realizing that not all as it seems so yeah i can't oh, actually say sweet. who the big bads are or what it's all about yeah that's okay that's okay. How's it compare then, running for adults and teens? Um, in a word, <laughs> it's chaos. a bit of a pause. <laughs> <laughs> you can keep that pause in. Um, yeah, right. Because I don't know if I think about it like that too often. I I think with kids, obviously, there's a lot more energy, and there's a lot more. Not times where I take off my headphones because I just kind of let them do it and there's a lot of like talking over each other but yeah you definitely i think with kids get players who are more into the story and then there's players who are more into 
like they funnel their energy into more specific things like for me my my friday game yeah there's kids who can't wait for the combat and not to say that they're just quiet until then i just have to Mm. you know i ask them a bit more than i would others where of like what are you doing in this particular moment whereas there's kids who are wanting to push the story forward and are like yeah let's do this 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 and i'm going to suggest this this and this and then they're kind of prepared for the combat as it as it is um whereas my adult game um i think they're they're all on kind of a very similar wavelength of this is like a storytelling this is a thing of storytelling i'm gonna go off and do this but i understand like if i am the only one and or or there's a lot of people who will be like no no i get that you know you're gonna go off and do this for 20 minutes so i'm gonna go off with you as well and Mm. and and therefore like i'll get a i'll get a piece out of this as well and they appreciate that there's eight of them as well i think that's actually rather than the age difference i think it's a numbers difference with my games where because there's eight of them they know that if they're not in something, they could not be in something for 30 minutes to an hour. So they will then go along with another character for something that might not be part of their character, but they will then make something of it for their character. Like, oh, this is a chance, although I'm not a smuggler, like this is a chance for our characters to bond and therefore it's a chance for my character to actually progress. Yeah. All right, okay. um, cool. Yeah, yeah, so I would because I would say that my kids have actually matured quite a lot over the course of the D and D campaign mm. that we've mm. played. So, not that we're getting into like a huge amount of the adult themes that sometimes you get into with an adult campaign, but yeah, I definitely treat them more like adults now because they're, they're <clears throat> very like acclimatized to that yeah. collaborative storytelling. Okay, interesting. That's yeah. good because. I- I think with with D and D as well, especially when you're playing it, you do find that whatever you put in as a player, you get back out. So yeah. if you are if you are yeah. being sort of like chaotic and or maybe you know you might be making sort of like immature decisions or something like that, you you end up your character ends up feeling the repercussions of that in the game. Yeah. So it's a really yeah. good um, learning platform, especially for families. I think I'm often surprised when I see like you know families that don't play games together. And normally, when I've, I've got like friends who've got um, you've know, got kids that are teenagers, and they say to me like, "Oh, you know, I can't. I don't know how you've got the patience to like run games for kids and stuff." And I'm like, "Well, that's the thing. It's like if once you have that patience, and once you sit down with them and start playing with them, you'll see that they will start to actually get invested in the game because it's not like like Monopoly or something like that where you can just you know children can play it and they can just go crazy with it and make all sorts of like mad decisions." Whereas with this, it's like you suddenly see the repercussions of your decisions and the game will mm. last longer and there's a progression system. You know, your character, you get rewarded. Your character gets extra extra abilities as, as you go up based on the decisions that they make. It's so good for that, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. yeah, I have to say, <clears throat> for all that I joke about chaos being <laughs> the order of the day with our team game, and Wayfinders, mm. and I have run other games for other groups of kids also teens sometimes even a little bit younger i i think that all that chaos is balanced out by some of the absolute best role play and 
strategy and decision making that I've ever seen in any game. Wow. And I, oh yeah, 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 hands down. I mean, part of it is that this group is by far my longest running. Yeah. Um, but and and we've just like you, Harry, like we've watched them mature over yeah. the course of you know all these years. I've I've been running this for three and a half years almost. Um, but also that just kind of lends itself to 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 role playing in general. I think mm. that there's something. I feel like there's we could get into this topic if we really needed to in some other episode. But I feel like there's at some point a bridge in our lives where we sort of lose the critical thinking and the fascination with gameplay and how just in general as a concept, not necessarily with role-playing games, but games and gaming and, and competition and, and games in general, there's so much investment in figuring out the structure, the thing, the boundary around you, and then seeing, testing those limits and seeing what can be manipulated and what can be moved around to, uh, accomplish different kinds of results. There's so much investment in it. And of course, they're also, teens especially, are in a mode of education. And they're learning things that perhaps we've all learned in our lifetimes, but have started to use a lot less. And like the periodic table, for instance, right? Just as an example. Um, but for them, it's fresh in their minds. So they're bringing a lot of this like, you know, when we talk about physics, they, they often bring up physical like, physics examples. Or when we talk about how a certain alchemical substance will react with another one, uh, some of my team players will be like, well, that doesn't make sense because that's acidic rather than alkaline, et cetera. <laughs> <clears throat> and it's, and, it, and I get corrected all the time. Yeah, I know. Exactly. I'm like, well, it's magic. Well, in my world, magic world, in, world, in my does. world. Right. Um, but no, no, I always, I always listen to them. I'm always like, you know what? You make a fair point. I retract what I've said and it acts yeah. in this way instead. Or, well, there's, you know, there's this different element that you don't quite know is going on here. And that influences that. But in addition to that, like, there is a, a hunger, I think, mm. for solving the puzzle. And that whether that puzzle be a role-play puzzle, an actual puzzle in a dungeon, or a combat scenario puzzle, how do we best approach the scenario, that really comes alive in the hands of people who have these very accessible critical thinking skills and this, yeah. this devotion, this passion to solving it as a group. There's a camaraderie and a, a spirit of companionship and of togetherness and teamwork mm. that I, I feel like, at least if I, if I can speak for myself, I tend to lose, right? And so much in, in, in adult life, you feel like you're competing against everyone else rather than sort of working together to build something, oh, um, yeah, depending, on your, depending on your field of expertise and, and what you do, of course. But um, even just in general, in life, like you want to beat the person in the line for the queue for coffee, right? Um, so there is there's so much enrichment in there that honestly like you i i don't i don't really tr you know think of them as teens i don't i don't run these games any differently than i would an adult yeah. game and often i've seen them make incredible decisions that i've never seen any adult player take can i can i give you a very quick example i know i've been talking a lot but yeah of course okay, okay. so this was this was years ago already and um, they, the t I was running basically two different campaigns, um, but at w both of them roll dark with different groups of players, one adults, one teens. And they, for just out of sheer coincidence, happened to 
be in the same place around the same time frame. So in other words, my adults players and my teen players were in the same, I was running the same game for both of them, right? They were the same ancient city. And there they found a devil uh, trapped in a magic circle and the devil was going to make them a deal, give them some information if they agreed to free it. And so we drew up a contract and the, the, the adults drew it up and the kids drew it up and I forget the specifics, but it was something along the lines of the devil completely put in a little bit of a clause in there, as devils are wont to do, that screwed over the adult players, right? Um, I think it was something in the name. It was like um, the the fiend known as Cricket, because that's how they were referring to it as, or whatever, um, will dispense X, Y, and Z for, the, for these characters of this adventure party. And... We basically had two very similar contracts drawn up between both groups. And the adult players, when they freed the devil, ended up sort of getting a little screwed over by it. And then the team players were about to get screwed up, screwed over by it when one of them said, hey, wait a second. This contract specifically says the fiend known as blah, 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 rather than um, the fiend named blah, blah, blah. So we know you as blah, 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 which means that you're beholden to this contract and thus must deliver. And in that moment, I was like, well, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) The fiend just stood there defeated and said, you've chosen wisely, basically, or something like that. And I couldn't have been more proud. That was was such a moment for them. Very clever, very clever. Who who was it who came up with that? Do you know? I have I, I think it was the group in, in, in whole, but I remember, I think it was our, our player, Sophie, who oh, uh, pointed it out. And that was, was, was like, hell yeah. Nicely so done. A future Might lawyer there. Yeah, future, yeah. Future barrister. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. I love a, a dual contract. I think I've had a player who, a like, group that I was running a game for a, a while ago, and I had like a whole A4 like contract that I'd written out. And I was just like, yeah, that's what he's put forward. Try and find loopholes in it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah. did they? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, any TTRPG player is clever. And then, by the way, this is not to like dump on adults. I think adults absolutely have that skills. It's just it comes a little bit more naturally to teen players, whereas through the elements of TTRPGs like D and D, we can rediscover those aspects of ourselves, those team building and team, you know, uh, teamwork aspects and critical thinking skills and all stuff so um, yeah i think i think i think the ego has a lot to answer for i think that's probably what it comes down to is, mm. is, the, is the as you as you get older your ego gets more and more sort of like it's it's all up to me it's all on me mm. i'm the person that can make these this you know I've, i have to be the leader i have to be da, 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 whatever it might be and then when you're in those situations it's it's that ability to like you say to just to just give agency to the other people around you to help you and, ex- and accepting that you might not be the best problem solver, you might not be the best at certain situations. You might need to answer. Yeah. You might need to be aware that that Sophie is a better problem solver than you are, and you might need to ask them for help or or whatnot. You know, I think that does yeah. come into it definitely. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, interesting. I so, wish um, I had. Oh, so I was just going to say as a closing remark, maybe I wish I had D and D as a kid. 
because I I didn't, and it would have made me so yeah. much more of a, like a critical thinker and so much more self aware. Sam, oh yeah, I, I couldn't yeah, I couldn't agree more. I didn't discover it until after I was uh, until I was in my early twenties. Yeah. Wow, yeah, I wish I did. really? Yeah. I'm surprised. Yeah. Did, did you did you live in America for all that length of time? Is, is you where, where, where were you, JC? Uh, yeah, I was in I was in New York the whole time. Um, I went to I grew up in Long Island. Went to NYU. Met a couple of friends at NYU. We did a show together, and they were like, "Hey, have you ever heard of Dungeons and Dragons?" And I was like, "But game for nerds in your basement? <laughs> no, wow. I don't play that." Uh, when are you playing? I'll, I'll come over. Um, and you know, they they got me into it, and that was twelve years ago at this point. So wow. We, we, so so, so it had so did it have quite a big stigma then for being. Like like nerdy because because you because yeah. you because you you read Lord of the Rings when you were young. I did I did I loved it. Yeah, when I was I think when I was eleven was when I picked up Fellowship. Um, and wow. I was super into video games, so I knew I was a nerd. I was a consummate nerd. I played a lot of video games. I played a lot of JRPGs, and I read a lot. Loved the classics and all this other stuff. But Dungeons and Dragons and LARPing kind of with it were the two things yeah. that were like the ultimate nerd. That that was sort of the perception of of at least my the communities I, I grew up in, um, so I never really got a chance to experience it. And this is coming from a guy who would sit at the cafeteria and play Yu Gi Oh, you know, when he was thirteen or twelve. So, um, but but yeah, and then my friends were like, no no no, it's it's not what you think it is. You should definitely come yeah. over and play. And I was like, okay, and yeah, that's how it started. And did you have did you have that moment where you were just like, oh my god, why? Have I never played this game before? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I, oh, I was the same. It was perfect because I think for all, all of us who are actors, um, it's it's wonderful. You know, it's basically mm. our chance to play a character, which we love to do. So. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I remember I convinced my, my partner Charlotte to play it. And she was like, when I first started playing it, she's like, oh, I'm not interested in any of that. Uh, I'm not interested in that. And mm. I was like, honestly, Charlotte, because she's a professional actor, I was like, if you play it, you will see. And she played it and she was like, wow that game go. is incredible like like <laughs> something happened to her character the next day she was like that was like, a, like 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 when i think back to it i don't actually remember us sat around a table i remember my character experiencing that experience in the camp in the hut when they set the tent on fire mm. that's what i that's what i remember i don't of remember course. i don't really remember the the the, the dice rolling in the character sheets i remember that situation and i was like that's that's what it's all about that's yep. that's exactly what it's all about yeah absolutely. so brilliant yeah but um things can often go wrong in rpgs as we know so what uh horror stories have we got Ooh, what a segue okay so um this is one i found uh a couple of weeks ago but i've been dying to run it by, by you guys and see what what you make of this um i tried to summarize it but it didn't work out that well i think it actually needs to be told in full so here it is it's a bit long but bear with because it's very interesting and it actually isn't about D. it's about call of cthulhu um so here we go oh, okay the, cool. um this is from reddit obviously rpg horror stories you guys can all look it up um, posted 22 days ago, it's called Party Refuses the Call to Adventure, Calls the Police Instead. <laughs> Excellent premise already. Cool. <clears throat> All right, here we go. I was excited to have my regular group try a Call of Cthulhu one-shot. I'd hosted a few COC games before, just not for this group. This was also the first time our forever DM, the one from all my other stories, was a player character. I spent hours on prep and felt like a fucking idiot. The party were all college professors whose colleague had gone missing. They went to his office and found a bunch of evidence, sending them to various leads. 
specific names and addresses, handout letters I made, puzzles to solve, the usual plot hooks. The other players start pouring through the evidence and picking up names when the forever DM player says, this is a crime scene. I call 911. And the DM responds, uh, 911 will not exist for almost 40 years. Then we should leave without touching anything and go to the police station. Then back to the DM. I reiterate there's no evidence that a crime occurred. It's a normal office and they're ruffling through papers. There's no evidence of foul play yet. Moreover, forensics is a relatively new field at this time and they would not be familiar with evidence procedure. So the other players agree that talking to the police is what their character would do. So I break character to tell them that they can explore the police as an option, but the adventure will inevitably require them to pick up the pieces themselves. When they get to the police station, I describe drunks, hookers, and mobsters awaiting processing. There's no direct evidence the guy is missing or in danger, and his wife hasn't reported him missing, so police don't give them the time of day. The police tell them to check in with the wife if they're concerned, and they give the party a home address. The party doesn't do anything with this. I even have them do an idea roll to tell them to go to the address. Forever DM says, I open a phone book and I find the number of a private detective. This story is taking place in New Orleans, so I can't say, sorry, New Orleans, wow. Um, so I can't say that there is no detective nearby. Instead, I try to price them out of it. The detective is only interested in cheating couples. He asks for $50, $50 a week. The party members each make $20 to $40 a week, so he's asking for about half of their total income. Forever DM says everyone can pool their money together and the others shrug and go along with it. At this point, the gears start turning for how I can pivot back to the adventure and raise the stakes, so I go along with it. The detective takes their case and says he'll give an update in about a week. The party does nothing in this time. A week later, the professor is still missing. The party calls the detective, but he doesn't answer the phone. The next day, they go to his office to give him the next payment. The window is smashed, and the door is cracked. The room was tumbled. They find all the evidence from the professor's office strewn about the room, some notes from the detective that gives them some direct next steps, mentioning a specific archaeology artifact, a location, and a person of interest. Hint, hint, but no sign of the detective. I thought this would push the party to investigate, now that they were essentially out of options and right back where they started. So I gave them another idea role and directly told them to follow up with the person of interest at the museum. The Forever DM says, this is officially above our pay grade. Now we definitely need to go to the police station to report. I look to the rest of the other two party members, since they had to acquiesce to his reasoning. I told them in a meta sense that this isn't going anywhere. If they don't pick up the pieces, there is no adventure. And the Forever DM literally says, it's what my character would do. <laughs> I told the party that this is the game and the characters need to be willing to take risks or accept the call to adventure. If they don't, then we're done. The forever DM says, I just don't see the hook. I don't see what's supposed to drive a college professor to accept this kind of danger. Oh. I think I'd like to end it here. Oh. Yeah, oh. right right off the they bat. They said that. And that was it. I did a week of prep, hand-wrote notes, made maps, etc. to have her forever DM give me the runaround and yank my chain after directly telling him and the other players to play the game twice. Afterward, the other two players told me they didn't feel like the players were clever enough to solve the case, meaning the players, not the characters. Especially since the combat isn't as cartoonish as 5e. 
I retorted that they didn't even try and that I instead had given them multiple idea roles to give them direction. So we closed the books and played Munchkin instead. <laughs> Jesus. That's the story. Wow, right? I don't know what more the DM could have done to get that game going. That's ins- I mean, you, your players have got to like pick up something. And college professor, their friend's gone missing. I mean, college, not all college professors are going to abandon their friend if they go missing. I don't see how that's not enough of a hook. Also, I would yeah. I would have argued that, yeah, that should have been it. Yeah, but then when they mm. had gotten the private detective like involved, and then and then they went missing or like presumed they could maybe it's called a Cthulhu. They could presume them dead or whatever. That mm. would then be a call to arms to. You don't have to be a hero, but to be heroic in a in a Call of Cthulhu yeah. game, like right, right. yeah, that should, exactly. that should have been like, oh, okay, now this is our doing. Now let's go find this guy, and then like the yeah. only yeah. thing I could think that they could have done to pull those characters in more is somehow mark them so that they knew that they were impendingly in danger, and if they didn't investigate why, then their character would die. Hmm. yeah and also as well it's like the the, the gm and the players like the, the gm is also a player as well right like like come on mm-hmm. like just cut cut them some slack you know what i mean and just and just mm-hmm. help and just get involved do you know what i mean and just be like okay yeah. cool and, and look and look for the the options it goes back to like when we were doing the improv um you know we talked about improv before the yes and mm-hmm. rather yeah. than like the no no but you know as players you have to have a yes and yes and the and you come up with your own like reasons why you should be in that you should be in that story and you should be pushing yeah. forward. You know, it seems so odd when people are like, like yeah. <laughs> it's just weird. The, the whole yeah. it's what my character would do. Well, don't make a character that would do nothing. It's so yeah. sad. Amen to that. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, yeah, yeah. It's, it's up to I, you. It's, it's I, up to you as a player to yeah. make a character that wants that that wants to be there. So yeah. saying yeah. that's what my character would do. Is isn't an explanation for like you checking out? You've decided to check out. Yeah, yeah exactly. I always say to to new players, or even when I'm starting like a new campaign with experienced players, that whenever I tell them it's collaborative storytelling, that because you were saying, Rob, yeah, the DM is a player and the players are also like narrators. Mm, it's just absolutely. that I I'm doing more characters and I'm describing. Like you can describe things as a player. You can describe what your house looks like and what you look like. And I'm doing the same. And whenever I tell people this is a collaborative storytelling thing, so you can say no to some things, but just kind of think of the bigger picture and how things are going to also move forward in character development and everything like that. That changes players' perspectives on D&D, especially as first-time players, so much because then they feel... They, they treat it almost like a movie or yeah, they start to see things in acts or like a prologue and then they're like, okay, cool. So this is the way forward or this is how I'm going to create my way forward rather than yeah, yeah, yeah. just a hard yeah. no. Hard. What yeah. was that? What was that thing? He go back to that quote that he said, what did he say? He said, I think we should just stop it there then. It was, um, I just don't see the hook. I don't see what's supposed to drive a college professor to accept this kind of danger. I think I'd like to end it here. That's such an F you. 
yeah. to just the yeah. game. Like, eh, this ain't really getting. There's, like, this there's isn't really getting. A, um, yeah, there's such a a weird. I, focusing on that one quote in particular, there's such a bizarre way of some people who will so immediately pull out at the first sign. They they never like sometimes players don't give um, you know GMs or keepers or DMs any time of day or time to establish themselves or rather than communicating being like, Hey, so I, I like where this idea is, but I'm just not liking where we're going. Can we maybe make some adjustments? Give it some time to work out. I've seen people just be like, yeah, thanks. This is not for me. Bye. Click. And I'm like, wow. Wow. Just like right off the gate. They like I give yeah. no chance to anybody else, but it's a, it's a lack of empathy, isn't it? That's the yeah. It's, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's foreign to me, but the, the real fun, I, th- I think, the comments below this are generally like us, you know, I think 85% aligned with the, with the keeper here um, saying he had every right to lay out the story hook so that you could tell a collaborative storytelling experience and the players just simply didn't go for it. But I think there's also, and, and I've had this issue as well. I've, I've talked about before with Baldur's Gate, um, Descent into Avernus, the 5e yeah. module, yeah. party of people being like, well, we don't really want to go to hell. And then I'm like, why why are we here? <laughs> you know, like, oh, it's not it's not what my character would do. Like my character wouldn't go to hell. Then make a different choice or make a different character that would have that impetus, yeah. you know? Yeah, um, exactly. But that being said, I think there is something to be said for the other side of this. Just to play devil's advocate for a second. Not to say that the the keeper was wrong. Could the keeper have perhaps worked a little bit harder on making it more personal to those players. Yes, yeah, it was a colleague of theirs and the colleague went missing, but perhaps something like really root through their backstories and find something to tie it into the larger narrative. Absolutely. Not to say that that needed to happen in session one and that the players couldn't have put in their own effort to participate in the adventure, but sometimes that might help offset. Right. So if you, for instance, are DM or running a game of your own where you're finding it hard for the players to care about the story that's going on, add a little bit more backstory stuff into your adventure. Go through their characters. And if they didn't work on a backstory, ask them for it. And if they don't give you the time, yeah. then replace that player because then they'll figure out. Yeah. See, see, JC, that's 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 excellent professional DMing advice you've just given there. So that's that's your advice as a professional DM because that's something that as professionals we would we would automatically do. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Yeah. And I think that's the difference when you have like an amateur DM. Not I th- obviously there are amateur DMs out there that would still do this, but it's it's that it's that like when you've got a group of players and the DM is being like, okay, well I'm gonna I'll be the GM. I'll I'll do that. It's like we, it's like the players have to realize and the GM has to know that that's something that that they are they are performing something completely different to what the other players are doing and they have to step up their game in order to really kind of get their players involved and as a professional when you're getting paid to do it you automatically just go that's you just know that's what you have to do mm, mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. so yeah. it's yeah which make, which which separates the difference I believe yeah but yeah so. cool okay great yeah. so um. I think uh, I think we'll leave it there, guys. Thanks yeah. for uh, right. thanks for joining us, Harry. It's been good having yeah, you here, man. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Oh, well, I did. I did have one more thing that um, we got yeah, suggested in the in the in the ooh, Discord. Ooh. Is oh, that after okay. what we did last week, 
with yeah. the uh, the creature noises. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's <laughs> that we should do that more regularly. And as we've got ah. a guest, I think it's only oh, fair no. that Harry, <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm, Harry up. <laughs> I'm not familiar with this because I told Rob how far into listening to the podcast I am. So I, I'm not familiar with this bit. Okay, James, do you want to explain? Uh, so, so last week we all, um, well, JC was talking us through how to do monster voices and sort right. of like embody the creatures as you're as you're doing voices for them. Um, so he picked one for me, I think, and Rob picked one for JC. And I picked one. For, we picked one for each other. Um, so I don't know if anyone's got a monster off the top of the head. I'm sat here with the monster manual, skipping through trying think, to find one that is what we'll cool. do. <laughs> I think I think what I think what we'll do actually uh, for next week is we'll get the um, listeners on the Discord in the podcast chat to suggest a monster. Ooh, that's a great idea. I love yeah. that. Yeah, so what do we want to do? Do we want to just? Oh no, I'm not saving you. Let's pick oh, one at random for today. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Absolutely. <laughs> Let's pick so something on. really difficult. What 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 happened last time? Like, what was the creature? Uh, so I did. I did a Griffin. I think JC. I gave something really horrible to you. Um, <laughs> oh, I think it was an Umber Hulk. Umber Hulk. Umber Hulk. Umber Hulk. Right. Right. Yeah. And my um, roommates were going like, "What is that strange ass noise coming from the closet?" When I was doing like, <laughs> or something. Yeah. What about <laughs> what about an what about an Aboleth? Ooh, an Aboleth. Oh, Aboleth. Oh. oh, okay. Sorry, I love Aboleths. I'm super excited. <laughs> Okay, well, yeah, I mean, that's that's even meaner. That's meaner than the, that's so the unfair. Them, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it talks psychically, so you're sort of it does, it does. Harry, you're able to <laughs> go anywhere with it. <laughs> I know. I just, I'm, I'm looking at the reference art. There's okay, uh, it's got a horrible round mouth, isn't it? And then oh, loads, loads of, loads of, loads of, loads of uh, teeth. It's current, it's covered in slime constantly, isn't it? It sort of extrudes the gunk. <laughs> It's got a worm. It's got a worm-like body. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll I'll try and give you a, a sentence. Um, oh, I've got to do it as. With, I don't yeah. have to make the noise. I just have to talk as that creature. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Or if you want to pepper in noises with it as well, you certainly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you can do the noises. Make, well, yeah. make it your own. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Let's, let's let's hear Harry's take. Okay. Uh, yeah. If there's a sentence, oh, you get one up. Yeah, I see. Oh goodness, this is such. While you're getting that up, here's a fun fact. They do have telepathy, but they also speak. They speak deep speech. Ooh. Oh, really deep speech. There you go. Okay. Okay. Uh, I, I have an idea. <laughs> go for and it. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah, see. Seize it. I think maybe I've done this in, in the car once. <laughs> As you do. Um, okay. I don't mind you, worthless insect. Okay, interesting. I love that. That that reminds me of someone I've seen in a movie sometime. Is it it the elephant man? Is it what? The elephant man. No, yeah, it's a little. Yeah, John, John, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, it it's like a Malcolm. little actually. Like, John, I tell John you what, but, 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 <laughs> yeah. oh, that's what it is. Yes, 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 it is John Malkovich. That's I think. I tell you right. what, I did the voice for. It wasn't exactly like the that, but I listening to uh, the Evil Dead remake. Um, I was like, how can I, without any 
applications do like a demon voice where it's like or try to make it sound like it's two voices at the same time yeah, I was trying to yeah, I remember yeah, in the car yeah. like, in my tongue almost yeah. very good right yeah. that was cool that was a cool choice honestly like yeah. I would yeah I mean maybe at first it, it's a little not what you expect but I would be fascinated yeah. by something that sounds like that because it just it I don't know there's a there's a sort of just to dig into it for a sec mm. there's a sort of impediment to the speech that yeah. clearly this creature feels no qualms about right normally with someone who sounds like that you might expect them to be a bit more shy not want to communicate you know they, they talk like this or whatever but mm-hmm. this is an abolith who's delivering the uh, the line i own your mind you worthless insect and still sounds like that so it just it speaks to the egoism of that creature yeah right, right? Mm, yeah, That's nice. so cool it's so cool yeah Great. Awesome. Cool. Wait, Thank you. That's the Thank test. I'm very sorry, Harry. It's kind of a good thing that you didn't prepare me for that because I would have thought about it for like a week otherwise. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> been, yeah, it would have been all I did. Okay, no, yeah. Well, great. Brilliant. Well, awesome. thank you for joining us, Harry. And Thanks to, to, to James and JC, and we will see you guys, or hear you guys, or you'll hear us next week. Next week. Indeed. Thank you. Bye, everyone. All right. Bye, everyone. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.